You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. On the turn in front of Too Fast, Too Serious, Expensive Ego. Beyond Delight gets to the outside. Into the straight, it's Act Now, the leader. From Expensive Ego, then Too Fast, Too Serious. But it's Act Now, clear with 100 left to travel. Five metres in front, Bundoran's out of the pack. It's Act Now from Bundoran. Bundoran flies. Gee, made it interesting, Bundoran. This is close on the line, Act Now or Bundoran. Favourite punters went, oh, thankfully, Act Now was able to win. It's actually a good night for punters there as Chris Barsby joins us with those paces, uh, heats. All the favourites won each of them, Chris. Good morning. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. A clean sweep for Emma Stewart there on Saturday night at Beckley Park, Geelong. And Honolulu Bay went through the series unbeaten. And those two horses, Honolulu Bay and Act Now, both drew favourably for Saturday night's grand final. So as we've been highlighting throughout the series, Emma Stewart has the whip hand. And following the barrier draws last night, those two horses are going to be vying for favouritism. So it's going to be a very intriguing race. It looks like it's going to have uh, plenty of early pressure because that front line looks fast. But uh, you never know in these big races. A lot can happen. And uh, I'm sure this race is going to throw up plenty of fireworks. Absolutely. David Brick, Chris, is joining us. And I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what David has to say this morning because Norwell announced and no doubt you spoke to some participants since that official news on Saturday. What's the, what's the general consensus amongst some of the industry players at this stage where, where, where this is located? Chris, Norwell. Well, Steve, I think, uh, firstly, I think uh, most participants have that sense of optimism. We've been sort of wanting to hear the news for quite some time, what's going to happen. For those that don't know, Albion Park, that land at Albion Park where we currently race, uh, that's a site for the 2032 Brisbane Olympics, so we've got to make way. We've been looking for a new home for harness racing here in the southeast, and it has been announced that Norwell is going to be uh, the new home of harness racing in the, uh, the southeast part of the Sunshine State. I think overall... Um, most were, you know, thinking it wasn't a, a complete shock. Uh, there's been plenty of talk about Norwell in recent times, but uh, I think most have just got that sense of optimism now. We want to see works commence as soon as possible and uh, get this show on the road. I'd like to have a dollar for everyone that Googled, including me, Norwell, because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us didn't know where it was. We do now. David Bricks joining us from Racing Queensland. How are you, David? G'day, Steve. Chris. Morning, listeners. Chris got a heap of questions for you. Just in regards to the track, will it be similar size to Albion Park? Will all this st sort of stuff, logistics, be nutted out, David? Yeah, that will be part of the consultation design phase, Steve. So certainly, I guess, probably one of the key aspects of the site is that it's big enough to accommodate pretty much whatever track size that uh, I guess we settle on. But uh, that'll be a key consideration, obviously, as to what that'll be. And there'll be plenty of opinions on that, which uh, we look forward to hearing. But uh, no, no, so certainly not predefined at this stage. And, and we look forward to that discussion. So, David, this announcement came through across the weekend. I'll ask you the question that Steve just posed to me. What's the feedback that you've received since the announcement? Oh, look, it's certainly positive, uh, you know, from the industry point of view. I think there's somewhat uh, relief at uh, moving forward and, uh, and we're looking forward to doing that. But uh, certainly a, a positive sentiment throughout the industry. And I think, you know, a key part from our point of view that this is only one plank of, of an overall venue strategy, a critical part, obviously. 
Uh, but, you know, we've certainly got uh, plans to continue to uh, invest uh, to the north of Brisbane, you know, Redcliffe and then out to the west as well. So, um, but there's certainly uh, some optimism from the industry, as you said, and, and we're looking forward to, I guess, discussing with, with industry and community about uh, what the venue will, will hold. And I think probably one of the key aspects of the venue that we continue to get positive feedback about is that combining it with a, with a training centre, which is critical for, I think, for racing moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk on that in just a moment. But just on the fact that it was Norwell, most were expecting to hear the news it was going to be Norwell, but just as far as the due diligence was concerned, you guys would have been looking near, far and wide. Yeah, that's right. I, I spoke with David yesterday. It's been a, quite a, a process in conjunction with the Albion Park Club. And there were a number of sites that have been thrown up. And, uh, and through, uh, there's also been reports done, independent reports through Deloitte in terms of trying to identify the, the key areas as to, to where we would uh, best locate. And, uh, and certainly down between the Gold Coast um, and Brisbane was one of those that was highlighted. Uh, through a matrix they put together, it came out as probably the best site uh, that uh, married up. Um, from a range of different points of view, uh, including population growth, venue participants, sorry, uh, participants in the in the industry as it stands, um, and a number of other areas as well. But yeah, there are other areas out to the west that we know are, are strong from a harness racing point of view and still north. So, um, but that uh, that exercise certainly identified uh, a strength in the Gold Coast region and the north of that. Yeah, David, it's interesting. I've mentioned this, but Mike Palling was a regular on our program, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And as we know, Michael came up with the invention the Palling pacifiers. He invented all sorts of things. He's a real deep-thinking, intelligent man. And many, many years ago, he, in his opinion, he said the perfect location for to have, like, a super racing facility, you know, he was talking thoroughbreds at that time, Harness and Greyhounds, he mentioned almost this exact uh, location, which I find very interesting. Yeah, well, there you go. Before his, uh, before his time in that regard, um, hopefully maybe he bought some of the land around that area <laughs> thinking that the case, but... No, look, it certainly, I think it, it certainly positions well from, from our point of view, one with uh, proximity participants, but in between, you know, the third and sixth largest city in Australia. So I think that's uh, really good from, uh, with population growth in the future. 72 hectares, so it's a, it's a big piece of land and it's basically a, a blank bit of canvas that you've got to work with. You've mentioned the training facilities, you've mentioned the racing track, so you can design it any which way you like, really. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of it, and that's part of, I guess, in terms of identifying land. It's not necessarily that easy to identify a, a block of land that you need that can accommodate everything we want. So we've, we've been able to, I think, get to that, that stage now where we've got something that we can certainly work with and, and have a good discussion around what, uh, what best suits the site. And there's been a number of different suggestions put forward already about what that might be. So we look forward to having those, furthering those discussions. But as you said, it, it, it allows for a racing facility where we can race for harness racing specifically provides us really good flexibility in terms of when we can race um, but as you said combining that with the training centre which we think is uh, ideal into the future and provides I think given the, the climate in Queensland and the location uh, a lifestyle opportunity for um, either local participants or, or others who might uh, want to move this way uh, but in conjunction with the club, we obviously also want to look at one of the commercial opportunities for that side as well. So there'll certainly be an aspect of that as to you know, what are the complementary facilities, one for the venue, uh, but also for the community in that region as well. So that'll be a, a significant part of the exercise as well um, to help 
fund the venue and continue to maintain it, but also help put money into, into stakes and, and other things for the industry. David, how many meetings a year and, and what sort of days of the week do you think we'll have racing at this new site at Norwell? Yeah, look, at this stage in our venue strategy, we've said up to 200, and that's what we sort of uh, are intending that they'll happen, whether that's from day one, that may take a little bit of time. But the intent of this, and certainly as we make it quite clear, that this is really a growth strategy. So we want to continue what we've got, and we're really in, you know, keen to want to continue racing to the north at Redcliffe and, and out to the west as well. So it's, uh, it's complementary to, to what we've got. Um, obviously, uh, taking away Albion, Albion Park. In terms of days of the week that we'd be, be looking to to race, uh, I think probably certainly the Saturday night's one we, we'd look to do, but it probably provides us a really good opportunity to, to a bit of a blank canvas and, and see where we can run race meetings because at the moment we're really heavily restricted in Albion Park's three set days a week and then we've really only got Redcliffe, which is fully flexible. So this will provide us an opportunity to have a look at those opportunities and what best suits the industry and the clubs. Probably a really good example of that that came to light last week where we uh, Wednesday night we ran at Redcliffe was a rain-impacted track and just by virtue of having to race there Thursday, um, the track wasn't able to come up in time for that meeting. Now, that was not, not through the fault of the club or anything, just the reality of the weather that hit and the fact that they were racing less than sort of 12 hours later. But uh, maybe in an ideal world, you wouldn't necessarily have them um, right on the back of each other. So that sort of gives us uh, some opportunities to have a look at how the calendar and, and flow of meetings might happen through the week. David, as we know, race clubs develop themselves as brands. Albion Park has a brand. People come to know and expect, uh, you know, will know what to expect when they deal with Albion Park. Queensland Harness Racing Centre, is that what it's going to be known as? And say, for example, on Sky Channel, what will it be at the top of the screen when we're racing there? Yeah, the Queensland Harness Centre is really a project title for as we move through. So that's that'll probably be um, around for through to uh, when we start racing there or until that the brand's identified. But um, so that's you know make that quite clear that the intent's not for that to be the name of the new venue, but just purely a, a working title for the project. Uh, there is a process which the uh, Greyhounds have recently gone through, uh, which you've got the GBGC being developed at the moment, and uh, and they're working through a process where they'll develop a brand and naming for the venue. Um, you know, one of the things that they're working through as well is obviously we know there'll be three tracks there, so how do they work the brands of the venue and the tracks? Uh, so that'll be a, a part of the process that'll, that'll filter in. So certainly um, uh, yeah, there'll be a consultation aspect and, and work with the Albion Park Harness Racing Club on that. Uh, and uh, I don't know, certainly through the GBGC, there was some external consultants that came in to lead that process. So that'll be similar for, uh, for the Queensland Harnessing. So this site, is it a replacement for Albion Park? So do the Albion Park people move to, to this new venue or uh, being situated between Albion Park and the old Parklands complex? How does that sort of play out? You yeah, know, so it was certainly the, the discussion with the Albion Park Club and as you mentioned earlier that... The uh, Albion Park was um, going to become a, uh, an Olympic venue in, in 2032. So uh, uh, Racing Queensland was working with both clubs there, the Brisbane Greys, but then also the Albion Park Harness Club to find alternate sites. So this is certainly uh, working with the Albion Park Club and, and they're on board in terms of the, where we're headed. Uh, so that's what um, the intention of the, the site is. We'll obviously have a discussion with the club and, and what the governance structure of that 
uh, the club is because it's clearly a significant investment for the industry and it is there for the for the, for the industry. So we need to make sure that it's, it's there for, for well into the future. Um, so in terms of ensuring that there's people, for example, on the board that have the appropriate skill sets, not just to manage the racing and training setter side of things, but to, to drive the commercial side as well. So, um, but certainly working with the Albion Park Club on, on that process. Mm, a standalone venue, that, that's really important for the industry as well. Uh, we're not inside a, a thoroughbred track. We don't have greyhounds on the inside of the harness track. Standalone venue, that, that's a big tick. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Chris. I think that's, um, you know, it provides the opportunity to, to race when, when you're able to do that, obviously in conjunction with, with broadcasting. But it does, it, it really provides that, that great opportunity for the industry and to be able to do what we need to do um, to sustain the industry into the future. And as you said, um, Albion Parks serves the industry really well for a number of years, uh, but it does come with its complexities around having multiple users at the site. So um, being able to generate racing facilities and training facilities that uh, we can determine and, and operate um, the best suits the industry is a really exciting aspect of this venue and one we, you know, we look forward to, to really making sure we maximise. Plenty of positives. One thing that I did want to sort of tackle with you this morning, uh, and a lot will be said about this between now and the coming months, but the fact that we're moving away from the, the metro CBD area, uh, people will say it hasn't worked as far as Harold Park going to Menangle, uh, Mooney Valley to Melton. And I tried to convey this message yesterday. At the end of the day, we probably, you know, in, in all intents and purposes, wanted to stay here at Albion Park, stay close to the Brisbane CBD, but things move on, nothing remains the same. So, look, we don't even like paying $2 at the Bowser now for petrol, but that's just the sign of the times, and that's how it is. So, look, we are going in a different direction. We are getting away from the Brisbane CBD, but uh, th there's not much you can do about it. The, the, the site is, is going to be used. It's going to be used for the Brisbane Olympics, so we've just got to get on with it. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, look, absolutely, Chris. And look, I guess you'll speak to a number of different people and they'll say, Melton and Engel have it worked. But I think on the other side, you will see others that, that there are aspects of that have, that have worked. I mean, if you have a look at the biggest wagering or the two biggest wagering events in harness racing history, one's at Melton and one's at Menangle. So if you look at it from that point of view and the wagering that's generated at the venue, you know, you can certainly argue that it has been successful. So I understand, as you said, moving away from Metro site, you know, there's a, a large population there, but, you know, as we're looking to build something that's well for the future and, and we are building in between two growing um, cities and we know the population in Brisbane and, and the Gold Coast uh, are growing so it provides an opportunity to, to grow with the community around it um, and as you said once you move out of that side of, at Albion Park um, in terms of providing or finding a, a, a land size big enough to accommodate what we need and as we discussed the industry was certainly really keen on the training centre it was finding something that was big enough to accommodate both and um, that's where we've landed and I think the opportunity is really there for the for the industry to exploit that. David, uh, we've talked about, you know, big grandstands. Are they a thing of the past, in your opinion? I mean, how do you tentatively see it, you know, in regards to, you know, spectators and things like that on some of the bigger occasions at this new track? Yeah, we, I think it's really about trying to generate a, a smart stadium from that point of view, Steve. I think we'll certainly be grandstand um, or you know, dining facilities there on an ongoing basis, and we want to look after those that come to the racetrack. Uh, but you're right, in terms of building something that's uh, as big as what we've seen in the past, um, you know, 
that will fill part of the consultation phase. I tend to think that what will happen is there'll be you know, permanent infrastructure there that'll be able to accommodate a certain crowd size. We think we can do some innovative things with regard to that, particularly taking advantage of the, the good Queensland weather, whether it be outdoor bars, rooftop bars, that type of thing. But then when we, we do have uh, feature events that you're able to bring in and, and uh, hire facilities that are able to um, help you increase your, your crowd and accommodate those people. So I think that's um, the model that um, it'll probably head down, as you said, as opposed to necessarily building a, a large grandstand, as we've seen in the past, um, that may not be used for, 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 for large parts of the year. Is that something that you plan to exploit and maximise, David, given the, the, the weather that we have here in Queensland compared to places like Menangle and Melton? Melton in particular, uh, they can have some wicked weather down there. Mm. We're based here in the southeast. We've normally got really good weather all year round. Is that something that you want to build on and exploit? Yeah, for sure, Chris. I think that's a really good opportunity. And in terms of building those facilities for um, for patrons, is that how you do that to um, to use the weather to to our benefit? Obviously, um, you know, we'll need some indoor facilities and that. Uh, but uh, but for a large part of the year, that uh, people can be outside and enjoy the enjoy the, the good weather. Um, that we can build facilities that will accommodate that. So uh, I think that's a, a key aspect, and I think it sort of adds a bit of Queensland flavour to the venue, uh, which will which will be a little bit unique. What about if we happen to get an unusual weather event like we had with the floods and heavy rainfall in that particular area? I understand it's a bit low-lying, and a couple of people have mentioned that to me, David, as to how it would potentially cope with some heavy rainfall. Yeah, our infrastructure team have done a significant amount of due diligence on the site, and also with regards to hydrology. Um, so that'll certainly uh, be a, a key aspect of the design phase, that making sure that any overland flow, that um, the venue is able to accommodate that and um, those uh, the racing facilities um, are able to continue to, to do so. So that'll certainly be something that um, is well looked at, but um, you know, our, our infrastructure team are really confident that uh, that'll be something that can be certainly uh, negated uh, through the appropriate design phase. Just on that, uh, going on that mantra, if you build it, they will come, and, and the fact that we're going to have on-course stabling, do you expect um, really strong interest to be shown, not only locally, because I've had a number of trainers reach out and say, if we have on-course stabling, they'd be happy to sell up their current property, take a barn down there and, you know, just... Don't worry necessarily about the, the maintenance of a property. And as we know, there's a fair bit of maintenance involved with property. So, and interstate, New Zealand, do you expect, you know, strong response to, to be shown? Yeah, we certainly do. The, all the indications are that there are a number of uh, stables, as you said, locally and abroad who are really interested in what we're looking to build. A number of trainers have reached out. Um, small and large, and some that have reached out and said, look, I'd only train eight or ten horses at the moment, but I wouldn't mind trying to increase that to 20 if the right facilities are there. So I think that's the opportunity that we can really uh, exploit as part of it from a, a racing point of view. And I think it speak, goes back to, you know, that the industry's been really resilient in terms of being able to push out, you know, at the moment six meetings a week. That if we can get this right, there's no reason why the, we can't grow that considerably, given we, you know, the facilities that we're, we're currently uh, working with. So, and as you said, the interest from um, from both interstate and and locally that um, would enable them to do that, and hopefully also for them as well, um, be able to have a better work-life balance. You know, maintaining properties, um, tracks. 
stables um, is, is a significant um, portion of, of no doubt participants' time in, in addition to going to racetrack. So if we can provide them a bit more time back in that regard, provide them with a bit better lifestyle and, and be able to provide them with facilities that uh, they can use on a, on a daily basis, um, but uh, not necessarily have to then go and prepare the track themselves and, and the like that they may have to do currently at home. Mm. David, when are we going to start seeing some action at the site? So I was driving down there and I looked over and started to see bulldozers and things happening. When will that all start? Yeah, look, the, the time frame for that is really the next uh, part of the process is the consultation phase and then the, the preliminary design phase. So um, we'll be able to look at some efficiencies that uh, we've seen generated through the GBGC project, um, including the, um, the ministerial um, decision that was made to, to allow for that project. So I think there's some of that uh, that we'll be able to, 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 to uh, move the project forward uh, as quick as possible. But we're also mindful that um, you know, we want to do the, the appropriate process and, and get, uh, get the design right. So in terms of time frame, you know, we're probably looking, you know, it's probably going to be it's sort of an 18-month period before we get to that, that, that phase, you know, hopefully possibly a little bit sooner. But, you know, there is a, there is a process that does need to be gone through to, um, to get us to the, to the right result um, before we start building. Mm. So what's the exit date for, for Albion Park, just so I'm clear on that? Yeah, so we're looking at, at this stage in our timeline, we're looking to commence around about mid-26, 2026. That's sort of the, the, what we've earmarked for the commencement. Um, and obviously that in terms of uh, you know, the, the racing facilities, mostly is going to be the, the priority to start with because we do have to exit from Albion Park. So it may be um, that... Um, the training centre aspect, while that happens in the background, the priority getting the racing facility right and going, and then the, the training facility can continue to be to be improved and grown after um, as we move forward. Just looking further ahead, if if Norwell is established with the, the racetrack uh, before Albion Park's closure, do we have some meetings at Norwell whilst Albion Park is still operating, or will it just be a, a cold swap over? I, look, I, it's probably something we're still going to get, get to, Chris, just from that point of view. Um, if we're able to get to that point, um, there's probably no reason why that, why that wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Uh, but it just comes down to, I guess, the timing and, and being able to get the project um, completed. As we know, the government um, do want to take that site. They do have to build their own facilities for uh, some Olympics venues. So if that was to happen, I don't foresee that being for a long period of time, just purely because um, uh, the, the, uh, the need to for them to get on and, and build what they need to for 2032. Mm. And David, has there been anything of that land in recent years or has it just been a, an empty block uh, sitting there for all this time? Time. Yeah, well, it's, it's, at the moment there are uh, cane fields uh, on it, but uh, other than that, not a not a great deal. It's um, right opposite the, the motor complex there, um, which is right um, across the road. But yes, yeah, so not a, not a great deal other than uh, other than that at this stage. Okay, so we've got horsepower both sides of the road then. That's exactly right. Correct. Mm. <laughs> I'd have to give it a speed right. pacing yeah, capital, right. something like that. Work on a new name. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other big news that came through last week, David, the, the returns to participants with uh, the prize money increases across all three codes, but just for the harness racing uh, industry, this is good news. What sort of reaction have you been uh, faced with uh, since that announcement came through? Yeah, no, again, really positive um, feedback from industry on that front. We um, undertook some uh, pretty solid consultation beforehand, particularly through our advisory panel to get a good sense check of where the industry believe the 
the uh, best place to, to spend that money. And so we've, we've aimed to do that um, by stakes, particularly on those Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday programs was a, was a key focus that we, we got back. So we've aimed to sort of get those as um, a fair bit higher, which I think we've been able to achieve. Um, then also uh, through the QBred scheme, and it's one thing that um, participants continue to come back with is how we can grow that. And um, one of the key elements there was developing third bonus to help with uh, keeping those horses on the track um, for for uh, to prolong their careers, and uh, but also support the, the Queensland breeders. So um, yeah, we think that'll be a, a good result for uh, for both parts of the industry. David, just one question back to Norway. One of our listeners, a harness participant, just sent a message. You, you talked about some commercial uh, developments around the site as well. This uh, lady says maybe they should build some apartments so people could possibly live and work on site. It was just one yep. suggestion. And that's that's certainly been one that uh, has been th- has been thrown up already through some of the, the very initial consultation that that has been thrown up, um, even with regard to uh, I guess how the how the uh, the training centre may be built as to uh, how um, you know accommodation may be able to incorporate incorporated into into the stabling complex and that as well. So, I think that's all part I think of the mix, Steve. That um, we certainly would have to have to have a look at. Okay. Okay. Just going back to the uh, the prize money announcement last week and the QBred bonus. It's the envy of most, if not all. But uh, that that's a real boost, in particular with the yearling sales just around the corner. So. What are we raising for now? About twenty-four and a half thousand dollars in bonuses. Yeah, that's right. Probably just one thing worthwhile highlighting with regard to that third bonus is that um, it, it is only for state breed cubrid, so effectively mares that are domiciled in Queensland. So it was the feedback we did receive from uh, the participant bases that would you know lead need to further support the, the mares that are standing here and try and encourage more mares to to come and and and, uh, and be in Queensland. So that's probably just one element just worth highlighting. Uh, it's also got a time. Uh, limit on it, so it's going to be won by either uh, by the end of the five-year-old racing season. Whereas we know our other two bonuses, the first and second, are open age. Um, but we still think that provides a really good opportunity for those horses that are able to win their bonuses at two and three-year-old or three and four-year-old to to have another crack at it. But as you said, yeah, for those horses there, they're looking at twenty-four and a half thousand dollars, and that doesn't include the stake money on top of that. So once you add that in, you know, you're looking at um, somewhere in the vicinity of you know thirty-five to forty thousand dollars if you're able to to win those three bonuses, which I think is a really good start in terms of um, being able to to fund the, the, the initial purchase of the horse or, or the breeding of the horse and getting it to the racetrack. Yeah, it's fantastic. Just in closing, uh, we've seen rapid growth in the trotters here in Queensland. We've got an Inter-Dominion Grand Finalist on Saturday night in Majestic Harry. Uh, we've seen Susan is her name, which is born and bred here in Queensland, take out the Breeders' Crown recently. We had a, a finalist in the Victoria Trotters Derby. Just with those prize money increases, there are going to be some new features on the calendar in, in time to come? Yeah, for sure. So we've certainly indicated that we'll run a, a, a Trotters Oaks and, and Derby for the um, next year. We're still just finalising our schedule for uh, the Constellations, but they'll most likely slot into there somewhere. Uh, so there'll certainly be, be that element for, for the juvenile Trotters. Um, the the Q-bred uh, trotting features will go up to $50,000, so they'll fairly good carrot there for those for those horses. Um, and there are some other elements that we are discussing with uh, the Albion Park Club around uh, what else we could do during the carnival for that set of horses. And 
um, one for our own horses here, but to try and attract some horses from interstate and also New Zealand, because um, we think if we can provide some more opportunity there, it's one of the gaps we identified in reviewing the carnival that uh, those juvenile trotters um, could be could be catered for. So uh, we've aimed to do that as part of these uh, increases and that and, and other. Uh, announcements regarding the constellations and prize money increases will probably come out in around mid-January. Okay, well, we look forward to that. But uh, plenty happening. Big announcement there with Norwell confirmed as the new home for harness racing moving forward. Some uh, great news with prize money increases as well. It's going to be a big year next year, David, uh, that the yearling sales on the Gold Coast at the Magic Millions Complex, uh, the Tab Constellations and the Inner Dominion here at Albion Park next year. So it's going to be a busy year. Yes, it will be. So look forward to this Christmas and then we'll, we'll get on to it. It'll be, uh, yeah, that plus we'll have a, a fair bit of work with regard to the Queensland Harness Centre. So no, looking forward to it, Chris. It's um, optimistic and, um, you know, a lot of optimism for, for the industry. So we look forward to working with everyone on that. You've done really well, David, because we had a 10 million questions for you. You've answered them very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, Jim. David Brick joining Thanks, us. Thanks, David. Just thinking that'll be that last night, Chris. Uh, that'll be the biggest crowd we've ever seen in the last... <laughs> whatever, uh, 30 years at Albion Park. Well, I, I was at Harold Park on their final night. It was massive. So yeah. uh, I, I would expect something very similar for Albion Park. Oh, absolutely. Just on that Interdom uh, final, the pacing final, Honolulu Bay 260 act now is 270, 950 expensive ego. They're the only three under $10. And just in the trotters, quickly, I know our next guest is waiting. Um, we got to Mufasa Metro at 5, 550 Majestuoso. $2 about Queen Alita and 460 Just Believe. Chris, at this stage. Can you believe, Steve, that Queen Alita uh, will be driven by Chris Alford? No driver in harness racing in history, as far as Australia is concerned, has driven as many winners as Chris Alford. No driver has driven as many Group 1 winners as Chris Alford. He's never won an Inter-Dominion trotting grand final. Well, here's his chance. She's got a lovely turn of yeah. speed, hasn't she? Uh, lovely change-up mm -hmm. gear. Um, Queen yep. Alita. She's going to be in a very dangerous spot. Just in regards to thoroughbreds, we know that there's satellite stables in Queensland. You know, Max Lees, is, uh, sorry, Chris Lees has got the operation on the coast. Annabelle Neesham's got a satellite operation in Brisbane headed by Todd Pollard. Chris Waller's had that one on the coast for some period of time. Uh, could that be a possibility with the harness racing as well with some of the really biggest stables? You know, if their horses aren't measuring up, say... In Victoria, New South Wales, that could potentially have a couple of horses in work, like a satellite operation at Norwell when there is stabling on course. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And, and this is the big thing by having the on-course uh, training facilities. Uh, we've never had it previously here in Queensland. We know it works well, in particular in New South Wales. So there's going to be... Uh, endless opportunities for those that want to get themselves established or create bigger stables uh, in, in different states. So there, there's so many opportunities moving forward. Mm, you might even have people from, say, central and north Queensland too, Chris, that could relocate uh, as a result. We'll wait and see what plays out there. Mm. Still plenty of time. Uh, Dan Cost, uh, who's with us? No, we've got Racetrack Ralphie on first. Ralphie, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Uh, what have you got today as far as the nine race program is concerned? Yeah, later in the day, I'm looking at race seven, number two, Captain Nemo. Look, he finally gets the door, a draw today, and it's been long overdue. His efforts so far, this prep have been sound, and as we just said, they were from very ordinary draws. So today's the perfect opportunity to cash in. His sectionals last week when chasing home the very much informed uh, midnight calm was solid, so a win today wouldn't surprise. 
And uh, the Angus Garrard Mark Ducks combination are working well at the moment. And I think they can add another winner here today with Captain Nemo. He looks very hard to beat. We're going race seven, number two, Captain Nemo. Okay, that's the last leg of the daily double, and that's a quaddy leg as well, so we can go short there with your good thing. Race seven, number two, Captain Nemo. We were just talking about the Inter-Dominion Grand Finals. Queensland interest with Majestic Harry qualifying for the Trotters Grand Final. He's at long odds with Tab, but he's in with a hope. Yeah, he's there. It was a, it was a, actually a great run last uh, Saturday. Uh, Brittany got him across to the front, which was a, a big surprise to everyone, probably not her. But uh, then went on with the job. He got swamped at the end, but uh, he'd, he'd had uh, enough up in front. And uh, with the second line draw, I think Brittany can probably slot him where she likes. Yeah, absolutely. I'll pose this question to Darren Clayton tomorrow. He loves looking into the record books and that. Do you think Queensland's had a, 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 a locally trained trotter compete in a grand final in recent times? Oh... Not that off the top of my head, no. I'd have to go back like Darren through the record books, I think. Mm. We held an Inter-Dominion trotting grand final back in 2001 right here at Albion Park. Do you think there was a locally trained trotter competing in that final that year? I don't think so. Okay. Well, we'll have all those answers coming through tomorrow. But uh, I think it back to loose is just quiet. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll see what Darren comes up with. He might uh, delve straight into the record books as we speak and try and find that answer, but uh, it'll be interesting. Hey, Ralph, we really appreciate the time. Uh, we'll see you trackside later today. Okay, thanks, Chris. There's Racetrack Ralphie joining us. Race 7, number 2, Captain Nemo. That's his best bet today. Nine races, and we're not too far away, Steve. Our first race getting underway at 12.14, so we're 24 minutes away. Thanks, Chris.